0: Isn't that just wonderful? I mean, wasn't that lovely? I don't know about you, but sometimes I just have to lift my hands in praise as that first song goes. I just have to lift my hands in acknowledgement to the glorious God that we serve. Our text comes from Psalm 84 this morning. Before we begin, I'd like to open us up in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, that we can approach you. We can approach your throne. You came to us, O God, as we were wretched, destitute, without any redeeming qualities. You, the, the God of heaven, the God of all creation came to us and redeemed us to yourself. And you didn't stop there, Lord. You continue to draw us closer to yourself as you reveal yourself to us. I pray, Lord, let this time we have together this morning be that. Be magnified in our sight, oh God, that we would see you more clearly for who you are. Oh, that we would be able to rest securely in all that you have done for us. The truth of your word, the promise of your word. And that we would get a better vision of the God that we serve. So that we might walk strongly, uprightly in this dark time, being lights to the dying. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm certainly glad to be here this morning. Thank you, Brother Paul and worship team, for the the lovely hymns that lifted up our Savior, our God, so highly. Psalm 84, beginning at verse 1. How lovely are thy dwelling places, O Lord of hosts! My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in thy house. They are ever praising thee, Selah. How blessed is the man whose strength is in thee in whose heart are the highways to Zion passing through the valley of Baca they make it a spring the early rain also covers it with blessings they go from strength to strength every one of them appears before the god before god in Zion O Lord god of hosts hear my prayer give ear o god of jacob Selah. behold our shield, our God, and look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, How blessed is the man who trusts in thee. It seems today is a day of psalms. We sang of several in the worship service. And here the Lord laid upon my heart this message from the 84th Psalm. In his commentary on the Psalms, the treasury of David, Charles Spurgeon writes, In his introduction to this very psalm, it matters little when this psalm was written or by whom. For our part, it exhales to us a Davidic perfume. It smells of the mountain heather and the lone places of the wilderness where King David must have often lodged during his many wars. This sacred ode is one of the choices of the collection. It has a mild radiance about it, entitling it to be called the Pearl of Psalm. If the 23rd be the most popular, the 103rd the most joyful, the 119th the most experiential, the 51st the most plaintive, this is one of the most sweet of the Psalms of Peace and that from the prince of preachers. And I tend to agree with him. This psalm is indeed most sweet. Wave after wave of joyous worship breaks forth as the psalmist sings, for that's what they are. They are songs. And this song right here is a song of worship. The words flow from his innermost being having been formed by his real relationship with God. And that's the key today. THE AUTHOR HAS IN HIS MIND A CLEAR PICTURE OF WHO GOD IS. AND THIS FAMILIARITY IS REALIZED THROUGH EXPERIENCE. IT COMES ONLY WHEN THERE'S AN ACTUAL PERSONAL RELATIONSHIP BETWEEN GOD AND MAN. WHY IS THIS IMPORTANT? WELL, I'VE WRITTEN OUT THREE POINTS. Our perception of who God is determines our approach to God. How we approach God influences our relationship with God. That is how we speak to him, how we pray, how we worship. Worship is posture. What is our posture toward God? Are we of humble and contrite Spirit, do we come before him acknowledging him as the most high? And finally, the third point is the depth of our relationship with God determines how we live our lives now and also in eternity. This is very important. Sometimes I think when we approach worship, especially in in the song ministry, we might take it lightly or it might just be, oh, this is one I like and this one not so much. I love the music of this one. For me, none of that matters. What matters? What it says about God. What it reveals to us about this God that we serve, this God that we have encountered, this God that we gather together today to fellowship with, to meet. So having said all that, what does Psalm 84 reveal to us concerning how the psalmist perceives God? And then how shall we perceive him as well? Well the very first line reveals something to us of how this psalmist sees God. He calls him Lord of hosts. How lovely are thy dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. And we see in the 12 verses of this chapter that the title Lord of hosts is used four times. And then upon my study I, I found out that throughout the Old Testament, it is used more than 250 times. The Hebrew phrase is Yahweh Sava'o. And the Hebrew word Sava is translated throughout the Old Testament 393 times as the word host, 41 times as war, 29 times as army, and then also battle, service, appointed time, warfare, soldiers, and company five times or less each. Most often, though, this combination of Yahweh, that that ultimate personal name of God, and Sava are interpreted as God of the armies of heaven. The psalmist is declaring how lovely are thy dwelling places, O God of the armies of heaven. The New English translation renders it here, though, in Psalm 84 as, O Lord of heaven's armies. And then the NIV in this psalm renders it, Lord Almighty. And while not as poetic as the other versions, I believe the NIV is more on point for the sense of this phrase, considering where we find the first usage of the word sava. In Genesis 2, 1, we read, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their host. That changes things just a little bit. The psalmist isn't just declaring that God is the the God of the armies of heaven. The psalmist is proclaiming that God is the God of creation. That he is the author of it all. Whether we say Yahweh or Jehovah, Adonai, Hashem or God, whichever name we choose to address him by, he is indeed the God of the armies of heaven but he is also the i am that i am the ruling authority over all of creation he is the lord of hosts the sovereign king over all the host of creation this is the picture we need to get you know i was as i was studying out throughout the week and 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 wrestling with the word. And Lord, what is it that you would have me speak? What is the message that we need to hear? I have some hymns pasted in the front of my Bible and I just, I stopped for a moment to, to quiet my mind. And the one that came to me was, Be thou my vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord, of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. This is what I want to get to us today. I want us to hear it. I want us to receive it. I want us to respond to it, is that God needs to be our vision. And the vision we have needs to be accurate. In Isaiah's magnificent vision of heaven, we read of the seraphim addressing God with this very designation. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted. With the train of his robe filling the temple, seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. That's the God we serve. That's the God that is the Lord of hosts. Do Do you see, can we begin to grasp how this will change the way we respond to him, the way we approach him? And not only that, but being his, the way we respond to life the way we walk through our daily lives. We serve the God of hosts. That is the Lord of hosts. In Jeremiah 10, we read the same sort of vision. But he goes even deeper. There is none like thee, O Lord. Thou art great, and great is thy name in might. Who would not fear thee, O king of the nations? Indeed, it is thy due... It is his due. He is the Lord of hosts. He deserves to be worshipped. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms there is none like thee. But then Jeremiah begins to describe the futility of men when we replace God with other things, when we attempt to put before him something that is not God. But they are altogether stupid. And foolish in their discipline of delusion. Their idol is wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarsus, and gold from Apaz. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and everlasting King. At His wrath the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure His indignation. Thus shall you say to them, the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is He who made the earth by His power who established the world by His wisdom. And by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice there is a tumult of waters in the heavens. And he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful and there is no breath in them. They are worthless a work of mockers. In the time of their judgment, they will perish. That's what happens to men who place anything before God. That's what happens to men when they worship something other than the true God. The portion of Jacob is not like these, for the maker of all is he. And Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Wow, I thought we started out with a song. We did. But this psalmist is revealing to us the truth about who God is. We sing these songs. We need not take them lightly because we don't serve a light God. Applying point one, our perception of who God is determines our approach to God. Surely this vision of God as sovereign king over all the host of creation would influence our attitudes when we approach him. Correct vision of God brings a humbleness of heart, allowing for the voice of God to speak to us and for us to hear and respond. You know, this is the foundation of salvation right there. We had to recognize that we were sinners, wretched, lost, without hope, dead, when God approached us and said, I can make you alive. The eighty-fourth Psalm does not stop with just declaring the truth that God is the Lord of hosts, but continues describing some of what a true relationship with God reveals. This is point two. How we approach God influences how we speak to Him, how we pray, how we worship. Psalm eighty-four, one how lovely are thy dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. How lovely are thy dwelling places tabernacles temples churches heaven homes hearts none of these matter except god be in them once he is there then there is no lovelier place to be found you know i, I know i don't have much time this morning but i wish i could go into depth i heard a a, a chinese man actual indigenous man of china he was in a he was imprisoned because of christ for the cause of Christ, he was put in prison. And he said, this prison was the most terrible place, the most horrid place. And they actually put him to work toiling in cesspools. That's the pools where the waste ran off. And he had to go and skim it. And he, he said, I had to wrap my feet because I would get infection from cuts and stuff. And he said, it was terrible. The stench was awful. It made make me sick to my stomach. But he said, I came to a place where I began to sing that song I come to the garden alone. And he said, after a point, when I began to worship God, I desired to go to the cesspool. Why? Because nobody bothered me and I was alone with God. How lovely are thy dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. That's when we begin to see Him for who He is, when we begin to enter into right relationship with Him, it doesn't matter our circumstance because our day-to-day circumstance doesn't change who He is. And the dwelling places are lovely. Verse 2, My soul long and even yearn for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. God is the living God. The psalmist recognizes this as he begins to see Him for who He is. Nothing else said about God would matter. In fact, Scripture would not matter if God were not the living God. A God alive, present, active, working in our lives. Another illustration that I personally experienced was one time I saw on the news there was a massive flood. I I think it was from a... A tidal wave a a tsunami but this Buddhist priest was running from a temple and the news helicopter was showing it and he was carrying the statue of Buddha over his head And, and the commentator even made a statement look he's rescuing that his God he had to rescue his God why? because his God is dead he's a no God Something formed by the hands of skilled men. Our God is a living God. He rescues us. He saves us. The bird also has found a house and a swallow, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in thy house. They are ever praising thee. The psalmist recognizes that God is my king and my God. He is not some God far removed and mysterious. He is our king and we are his subjects. He cares for and protects us. Oh, that's so wonderful that he is so approachable. The very birds find safe refuge in his courts. You know, I often hear unbelievers say, oh, God is a God of wrath and, and he's a vengeful God. He's vindictive and, and whatever else. But no, he's not. Luke 12, Jesus said, consider the ravens for neither they neither sow nor reap and they have no storerooms no, nor barn and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? If the birds can make their nest in his dwelling place, if the birds can come right up to his his altars, surely we can as well. Because we are far more valuable than they. And yet he sees them. Surely he sees us. How blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring the early rain also covers it with blessing. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. God is in Zion. He sits upon his throne in heaven in his kingdom, reigning. Oh, the world would have us forget that. I remember, I believe it was 1969, there was a magazine published that said God is dead. No, he's not. Our God is in Zion and he reigns. He's alive. He's the living God. There is no need to fear what our eyes see. And today, the troubling times we live in, trouble on every hand. All you have to do is open a newspaper or go to a website or or listen to a broadcast and you're going to hear despairing news and troubling news. And oh, there's nothing but famine on the horizon. There's nothing but death before us. Not so. God reigns. He's reigning even now. None of it takes him by surprise. He knows where we are. He cares for us. For those of us who are journeying to join this God in Zion, though we may pass through valleys of sorrow, which is what Baca means, Mecca is the valley of weeping, the valley of sorrow. Even though we journey through valleys of sorrow, if we will but keep God as our vision, dry places will become springs of life. You know, it amazes me every time I have to minister or preach at a funeral, and it's a funeral for someone who knew Christ. It's. invariably always becomes more of a celebration than that of a mourning. And then on the same hand, when I go to a funeral for someone who you know they did not know Christ, all that is there is death. When we go through the valley of sorrow knowing Him, when we lift up our eyes to Him and begin to worship Him and praise Him, springs of water just well out. Do they not? Is not your heart lifted every time we come and we begin to give ourselves to the worship? That's what the psalmist is declaring. This is a truth he realized and because he had a right vision of who God is. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Selah, pause. Meditate on this. Take a moment and think about what you've just said. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of thine anointed. The psalmist declares here that God is a God of Jacob. He is approachable and personal. God chooses you and you are his. He chose me and I am his, right? He said he purchased us. We are in the old King James a peculiar people. What does that mean? Not strange like they used to say. It means we are his. We have been purchased by a price. We have been bought and paid for. All that we are and all that we have belong to him. I'm glad for that. I'm glad I can say, Lord, I pray to you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, my God. If we are His, then He is ours. And with this fellowship, God works a hunger and thirst for righteousness in our hearts. The soul in union with God longs for a greater and greater closeness with Him. This is the drive of sanctification. We come to justification. He justifies us. he It's Christ's righteousness imputed to us. And then as we move forward from there, Gradually, he sanctifies us because we draw closer and closer to him because our desire is him. And as we draw closer and closer to him, we have a desire to live life more holy. Look upon the face of those you have favored so we may draw ever closer to you. That's what he said when he said, Look upon the face of thine anointed. He says, Look upon the face of the one you have favored. Oh, I love it when I can say, hide not thy face from me as David did. Lord, don't turn away from me. Yes, I'm wretched. Yes, I'm pitiful at times. Yes, I fail you, but you are my God. Oh, and then the psalmist, I, I believe its he declares this. I believe he, he just exclaims it. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. He would rather, as some versions say, be the doorkeeper, the gatekeeper. Let me just stand back there at the door and open it for people that are coming in because your dwelling places are so lovely. Because I've gotten a vision of who you are and how wonderful you are, how beautiful you are, how amazing and magnificent. And I begin to run out of words that you are in verse 11 for the god, for the lord god is a sun and a shield god is a sun and a shield god is our light he brings life and joy and happiness and love all that is good in creation he is our protection provision shelter our defense i mean just think what benefits do we derive from the sun god is all those and more He is these things now as He will ever be these things to us. Why do I say that? Well, think about it. In Revelation, when John saw that celestial city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, he declares, And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illumined it And its lamp is the Lamb. And the nations shall walk by its light. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, for there shall be no night there, its gates shall never be closed. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come in to it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He will be the light. He will be our light for all of eternity. This great depth of relationship enables the author of this psalm to more clearly see who God is and how he does indeed work in all that our existence, in all that is our existence. And he works it for our good, all of it. You know, I've been serving the Lord now since 2006. And as I as I look back through the things I've gone through, no matter how hard they were, no matter how narrow they may have been, I can't say one thing did not work out for my good. I'm so grateful for every trial. I'm so grateful for every hardship. Why? Because it gave me a clearer vision of who he is. In fact, I can say, I can testify right now that the Lord has worked a great miraculous work for my family just the past couple of days and he did it in such a way that I can only declare this is the work of the Lord. And I'm finishing up here. Point three, the depth of our relationship with God determines how we live our lives now and in eternity. In verse 11, the psalmist declares, the Lord gives grace and glory. God gives grace and glory. What does this mean? He gives favor and friendship. Abraham, a friend with God. We can be called a friend with God. Isn't that amazing? Honestly, you know, we like to lift up Government officials, we like to lift up movie stars. We like to lift up the wealthy. We like to lift up our employers. Can we be friends with any of them, really? Not easily, but here the God of creation, the sovereign Lord of hosts, says, I will be your friend. And what does what the New Testament tell us? He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Indeed, There are things that I have to go to God with. I can't even go to my brother. He wouldn't be able to do anything about it. He gives favor and friendship. He justifies. He pardons. He adopts. He preserves all those who would be saved. And he does it freely. Verse 11. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God sent his perfect, sinless, only son to die for wretched, filthy, depraved men. How much greater do you think his blessing will be upon those who receive that gift of salvation and turn to him, seeking a deeper relationship with the Lord of hosts? That's the question. Well, here's one answer. In Revelation 22... And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street. And on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall no longer be any curse. That's what he will give to us. And the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his bondservants shall serve him. Now hear this. That's us, by the way, the bondservants. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall no longer be any night, and they shall have... They shall not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God shall illumine them and they shall reign forever and ever. And after a million years of dwelling with our God, we will surely still declare as the psalmist did in verse 12, O Lord of hosts, O sovereign king of everything, how blessed is the man who trust in thee. Oh, that we would get a right vision, that God would be our vision. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the songs that you put in this book that delight our hearts, Lord. And they're not songs only, but they are filled with truth. They are filled with truth. Visions of you, O God, you reveal yourselves to us through them. And I pray that this word settles in our hearts, that it be written there and that it stay there, that it strengthen and encourage us, enable us to get a better vision of who you are and that we would walk accordingly, drawing closer to you and shining brighter and brighter with each step so that the lost may see and come to you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.